Hi guys, uh, good morning on this uh, 11th of December day. We are quickly approaching Christmas and I hope you're doing great. Uh, I am personally in Gatlinburg, Tennessee with uh, my kids and grandkids and we're having a ball, um, hopefully. Um, but this is a special message just for you guys who uh, tune in online and I appreciate you tuning in online. Uh, without you, I wouldn't do it. Um, so thank you for tuning in, and I hope it's a blessing uh, to you every Sunday that we come together and dig into God's Word. And I'm, I love this topic. I love my church, and I hope you love your church. I hope you're you know actively a part of a body of believers in your neck of the woods because it's really important to be around other Christian people and to rub shoulders, and to pray together, and to fellowship together, and all the things that the Bible teaches us we should do. Um, I love my church for a lot of reasons. We've been talking about them uh, for the last several weeks, about how awesome the church is, and that really the church on earth is everything that God is, is doing on the earth. Like, the earth has been taken over by darkness, and evil, and Satan, and, and the church is this, like Israel was among the nations, the many nations back in the Old Testament, the church is among the darkness today. It is the light of the world, the body of Jesus, the, Christ, the church, the body of Christ, which is the way, it's the truth, it's the life. Everything God is funneling down to the earth, he's doing in his church and through his church. That's just the way God has set it up. Not that God isn't aware of everything on the planet. Of course he is. But for the most part, he is working among his people, those who have answered the call. And so I love the church because so much is happening in the church. And what we're doing is we're, we're answering or trying to answer life's big questions that everybody asks, that everybody should ask. People you know, our family, friends, Christian, non-Christian, these are questions that all of us at some point have asked or will ask or need to be asking. Uh, things like, where did God come from? That's a big question. Where did God come from? We talked about that several weeks ago. Uh, how about this one? Why did God make us? Like, why did he create the universe and the planet and put us on it? Why, why did he even do all this? We dug into that a few weeks ago. And, and, and this last few weeks, we've been talking about this question, what's next? So for two weeks, we spent talking about what's going to happen next. That's a big question. People want to know it has to do with the afterlife. Like, what's going to happen when we leave the planet? That is huge. Like, we need to ask this question. Our family needs to ask this question. Our friends need to ask this question. And if they've never asked it, you need to ask them. Say, hey, what do you think? What do you think is next? You should just ask a random person that question. Hey, wait, you stand in the grocery line and just turn to the guy behind you and go, hey, hey, can I ask you a question? Yeah, sure, sure. Uh, what do you think is next? What do you think is next? And he'll probably look at you like, what are you talking about? What's next? And we're going to check out of the grocery store. No, no, no. I mean, when we leave the planet, what do you think is next? How, what an amazing way to break into a conversation with somebody. We have got to get people to ask the question. Even if you don't deal with it in the grocery store, he's going to go home thinking about what's next. We've got to plant that seed in people's heads so they will ask this question, what is next? 
Well, here's what's next. We decided, or according to the scripture, eternity is next. That's for sure. We're going to leave this planet, enter eternity. We're going to face resurrection in the judgment. That's going to happen. We're going to be re resurrected to, into eternity. We're going to face the judgment. And for those who love the Lord and serving the Lord on this earth, there is a mansion prepared for those who love Jesus. And so that's what's next. So today, I've just got one more question, and, and I love this topic. I, I've never really even thought about this before, even though I've thought about kind of the things of it. I never thought of it in this way, but, but check this out. What's just before what's next? See, that's, that's another really important question. Like, what's going to happen just before what's next like before we enter eternity before we leave the planet and enter the afterlife what is just before that man that is that's a good topic this is something that if you're a christian you should be like this i need to know that i want to know this if you're a if you have friends that don't know jesus they need to be aware of this like everybody needs to know this like what's just before eternity? What's before the resurrection? What's before the mansion? What's right before all that? Well, here's what's before that. The last days. The last days is what it's called. The end of times. In other words, now. Right now, our time that we're living on this planet and a generation before us and maybe the generation after if Jesus doesn't come back is the now. We are living in the now, and that is what's just before what's next. The term eschatology is uh, the study of last things. It's a term used that basically means the study of the end times or the study of the final days or the study of last things. What will happen in the last days or the end times just before what's Next, well, we asked a couple of our experts to tell us what they thought, and uh, so we want to get started with a couple thoughts from uh, Billy Graham. Billy Graham says the Bible tells us that the state of the world will grow darker as we near the end of the age, the end of mankind in time as we know it. The end, Billy Graham says, will come with the return of Jesus Christ. That's what's going to happen next. He's going to come back. That is why. A Christian can be optimist, an optimist. That is why a Christian can smile in the midst of all that is happening right now. We know what the end will be. The triumph of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's pretty good stuff. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And Andrew Strom says this. We need to realize that the Bible says to test the spirits and warns very strongly that the last days will be a time of seducing spirits and great deception. Sounds like a tricky time, doesn't it? Dark days. Well, two things kind of jump out about what's just before what's next. Just two things that have some sub points that I'm going to share with you today, but, but um, nothing crazy. Just two big truths that pop up. And the first one is this. What's just before what's next? Number one, 
the end times. We are living right now in what the Bible says and is very clear about is the end times. We are living in the last days or the end of the age. Like we are at the end of the age. If all of creation is the age of the earth and time, we're living in the end of it. We're not at the beginning of it. We're not Adam, Eve, Moses, Abraham. We're us. 2022, moving into 2023 very quickly. Hebrews chapter uh, 1 says this. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors, Abraham and Isaac and those guys, through the prophets at many times and in various ways. That's what God did in the, in the, in the beginning. But in these last days, there it is, that term, last days, he has spoken to us by his son. His son, Jesus, who came 2,000 years ago, and he has spoken to us through his son in what he refers to as these last days. In Acts chapter 2, Peter is proclaiming the truth. He's preaching on the day of Pentecost. And he is quoting from the prophet Joel, and he says, in the last days, he's referring to the days that he is living in and that will be in front of him and generations to come. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. Peter, Peter says, on the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit was poured out, he quotes from Joel, and he's saying, this day and what's happening from here on out is what Joel, who wrote hundreds of years ago, was, was prophesying about the last days, that these things would happen in the last days. So we, we, what we have here, really what we have here are like two bookends two bookends we have two big bookends we have like the first coming of Jesus and we have the second coming of Jesus and everything in between the first and the second coming is what we call the now this is the now this is what we're living in right now we are part of the group of people on the planet that are living between these huge events these huge huge bookends and the second coming will be the end of everything that's pretty impressive and that's pretty cool if you think about it that we God has chosen to put us on the planet right now during these times we're here in reference to his return Jesus said keep on the watch therefore because you know neither the day nor the hour it's going to come but nobody knows the day or the hour it's coming though Matt Mark 13, he says, keep looking, keep awake, for you do not know when the appointed time is for the second coming, right? So on his first trip to earth, Jesus reveals that he indeed is the Christ, he is the Messiah, and that his kingdom has come. In Mark 1, Jesus says, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the good news. Jesus comes the first time and he says, the kingdom of God is at hand. 
It's like, it's like the beginning of the end is at hand. And the very end will be the second coming of Jesus. Because then he tells his disciples in, in uh, John 14, I will come back to take you to be where I am. When he comes back, he's going to take us to be where he is. So we have these two big, big, big bookends. The first coming of Jesus and the second coming of Jesus. And these two big bookends fit into a much bigger picture. They fit into a bigger picture and we can't help but notice where they fit in. So check out this little graph. It's a timeline from creation to the second coming. So we've got creation. We've got the early church fathers. And yeah, some people will debate that. They'll say, they'll say, oh, you know, God created the earth, you know, with a big bang. You know, like they, they, they want to reconcile creation and evolution and they want to grab onto science and say, oh, it's billions and billions of years old. That simply is not true. God can create whatever he wants to look however old he wants it to look or as aged as he wants. And if God created the creation already mature, you know, that's kind of something God is able to do. We don't have to let science tell us what God isn't telling us. Because if you follow the generations in the Bible, back to Adam, to Jesus, which are listed there in a number of places, you can count all the generations all the way back, and you're going to come up with about four to 5,000 BC. No reason to believe it's not. None. Now, if you let science influence your thinking, then, or evolution, then you're, you're, you're off on another tangent. No need to go there. Creation, 4,000 BC. Early church fathers, shortly after that, 3,000. Prophets, 2,000 BC. Now check this out. Jesus, first coming, 3 or 4 BC. The apostles, around 30 AD in the church age. And then the second coming. And notice eternity. It's two arrows pointing in opposite directions. Always been, always has been. We live in this period called time. And, and we live in... Uh, time and space and uh, the creation of God, but, but also notice one last thing. This time between the first coming and the second coming is a time that we call now. Now, it's now. We've always been in this time, which is the end of time. From the time Jesus came the first time to the time he comes the second time, that whole time is called the end times, and we can't help but notice where it fits on this graph. And Jesus, from the creation of time, we are living in the end. We are at the end of it all, the end of the age. Jesus referring to the last things, the final things, at the end of all things. In Matthew chapter 28, we read the Great Commission. At the end of the ministry of Jesus, he's about to go back into heaven. And he tells his disciples to go into all the world and make disciples of all the nations. Go and share the good news with everyone out there. 
baptizing. And remember, before that, God just worked through Israel. He didn't ask Israel to share the good news with all the surrounding nations. He asked Israel to stay away from them, to come apart from them, to be away from them, to have their own little nation that God could dwell in up until this point in time when Jesus would come and he would empower his people with the Holy Spirit. And now since we have the Holy Spirit living in us and God walks with us permanently, he says, go into all the world, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So important that we just do what God says, right? Teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. We're talking all of what God has been doing in the Old Testament, but we're also mostly talking about when he says what I have commanded. He's talking to the apostles in all of his teachings in the New Testament. Command them to obey everything I have commanded you. And then he says, and I will be with you always to the very end of the age. That is huge. See, Jesus is telling them, look, I'm going to always be with you. Always and everywhere. No doubt he's talking about his presence in his people by the Holy Spirit who will now come to dwell in us permanently, to live within us, to dwell with us and walk with us. He will be with us everywhere we go. This is not like I'm watching over you. This is I am living inside of you. And he says to the very end of the age or to the bitter end of the age, the end of the world as we know it when time is no more, when it ends. The consummation of all things or the completion of this era. It's going to come to an end. And Jesus is telling us this. The word of God is saying to you and me today, we are living in the final days and the end is very near. And I love this quote. It makes me think every time I see it. Somebody once said, Al Gahazel said this, if you do not prepare now for the afterlife, then when will you do so? If you aren't preparing now, then when are you going to do it? That's a good question, isn't it? Number two, what's just before what's next? Well, we're living in the end times, but number two is this. This has to be considered by everyone who understands that we are living in the end times. How will we live? How must we live or how to live while we wait for what's next? How are we going to live while we wait for what's next? You know, some people might say, man, I'm going to live it up. I'm going to party on, brah, eat, drink and be merry. The end is coming. I'm going to die. Eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow I die. Some people live with this attitude. And do you know where this phrase came from? Eat, drink, and be merry before I die? It comes from the Bible. This passage comes from the Bible. Now, if you take it just out of context like that, you might think God is telling us, eat, drink, and be merry, because we're going to die. That's not what's happening at all. Uh, in the Old Testament, a couple places, but also in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and in Luke chapter 12, 
we read these words, but Paul is saying to us this, he's saying this, if there is, in, in 1 Corinthians 15, if there's no resurrection, let's just say there's no resurrection, there is no hope for eternal life, there is no afterlife, then you might as well eat, drink, and be merry because tomorrow we die and there's nothing left. There's nothing after that, if, if that's true. But we know eternity does indeed wait for all of us. We know that we're going to leave this place and we're going to enter what's next. And that's eternity. That's judgment. It's resurrection. It's heaven and it's hell. And Jesus will be back. We know this. And so how should we live? Not like this. In these final days, what kind of lives are we to live? So let me share just two thoughts about how we should live. First thing is this, we should watch for evil to kick up. This is going to happen. The quote from Billy Graham, uh, you know, kind of hit on this already, right? In the end times, last days, dark days, evil days, people are going to become more evil. Bible tells us this as well. It gives us a lot of warning about what's going to happen in the end times, the last day. So in 1 John chapter 2, this is the last hour. The Antichrist is coming, John said. And Peter said in the last days, there will be scoffers. They'll come and they'll deceive many. In, uh, in Jude, Jude said, like Sodom and Gomorrah, we have become sinful and the punishment of eternal fire is coming. In Isaiah, Isaiah wrote, he said, in the last days, they will call good evil and evil good. Timothy said, there will be terrible times, terrible times in the last days. So we already know we're in the last days. There will be terrible times. Jesus said very clearly that things will get worse. So we're going to watch for evil to kick up. And it's kicking up. All you got to do is look around the world, read the news, and it is getting worse by the minute. What used to be evil and hush-hush and done in the dark and done in secret now is done in the open, it's done in your face, it's all over the TV, and it's being shoved down everyone's throats. There has been a kick-up of evil. Be watchful. Watch. Pay attention. Secondly, this. Remain faithful to the end. Remain faithful to the end, right? That's what we're going to do while we watch for evil, watching for, uh, while we're, we're waiting for, the, for Jesus to return, while we're living in this time we call now, this what's, what's just before what's next, we're going to remain faithful till the end, which means this. Remain faithful to the end, which means a couple things. It means be ready. Be ready, right? Matthew 24, we're going to read that passage here in a minute. We don't, about the day and the hour, we don't really know, but it's going to be like the days of Noah. It'll just happen, swept away, everybody gone in, a, in, a, in an instant. It'll be just happen. Or, or, or he, he talks about in that passage, we're going to see, if the owner of the house would have known what, day, what time the, uh, the thief was going to come, he would have been ready, right? But he didn't know. He went to sleep and he got robbed. We're going to read that. Be ready. Number two, be in the know as we, as we are remaining faithful to the end. Be in the know. First Thessalonians, Paul says, I do not want you to be ignorant, my brothers, of what's going to happen in these final days. Don't be ignorant of these things. Be in the know. Number three, live as children of God. 
as we're waiting for the return of Christ and the end of the age, we are going to live as children of God. Jude says, keep ourselves in the love of God, waiting anxiously for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to eternal life, to bring us to eternal life. We're going we're gonna to live our lives as we're remaining faithful to the end. We're going to live our lives as children of God, remain in his love. And as we remain faithful to the end, we're going to eagerly await his return. That's what we're doing. We're waiting for Jesus to come back eagerly. Corinthians says, judge nothing before the appointed time. So as we're waiting for his return, let God deal with the people. God's going to deal with me. He's going to deal with you. He's going to deal with them. Judge nothing before the appointed time. Let, let God do that. He'll take care of it. Second Tim, uh, Peter chapter 3, he will come like a thief in the night. Another uh, reference to the fact that it will happen quickly and it will be over and it will be game over. Time for nothing else to do. Mm. See, we're living in end times. Jesus will return. And the only question that every one of us must answer for ourselves is found in Luke chapter 18. When it says, the scripture says this, when the son of man comes and we enter into what's next, will he find faith on the earth? And I would like to say to you, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith in you and me? Will he find us living in the faith? I hope so. I hope so. So I want to read Matthew 24 as we close. And there's a lot in this chapter about things that are still a mystery. We don't know every little detail about how this is all going to unfold as we approach the very end. But there's a lot of things in here that we can kind of grab onto and go, okay, this is what we need to be looking for and thinking about. So just kick back, listen to Matthew 24 as I read this, and uh, then we're done. Jesus, Jesus left the temple and he was walking away when his disciples came to him to call his attention to the buildings. Do you see these things, he asked. Truly, I tell you, not one stone here will be left on another. Every one of them will be thrown down. As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately. Tell us, they said, when will this happen and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? Which is right where we're at. Jesus said, watch out that no one deceives you. That's important. For many will come in my name, claiming I am the Messiah, and they will deceive many. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to that that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and there will be earthquakes in various places. All these things are the beginning of the birth pains. Then you will be handed over and persecuted and put to death. These things are all part of the end times. And a lot of these things have already happened. And you will be hated by all nations because of me. At that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. 
Many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. So when you see standing in the holy place the abomination that causes desolation, spoken of through the prophet Daniel, let the reader understand, then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let no one on the rooftop go down or take anything out of the house. Let no one in the field go back to get their cloak. How dreadful it will be in those days for pregnant women who are nursing mothers. Pray that your flight will not take place in the winter or on the Sabbath. For then there will be great distress, unequal from the beginning of the world until now, and never to be equaled again. Terrible times. If those days had not been cut short, no one would survive. But for the sake of the elect, those days will be shortened. And at that time, if anyone says to you, look, here is the Messiah, or there he is, do not believe it. For false messiahs and false prophets will appear and perform great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. See, I have told you ahead of time, Jesus says. Wow. So if anyone tells you there he is out in the wilderness, or do not go out. If, if they say there he is or here he is in the inner rooms, do not believe it. For as lightning comes from the east, it's visible even in the west, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. Wherever there is a carcass, there are vultures that will gather. Immediately after the distress of those days, the sun will be darkened, the moon will not give its light, the stars will fall from the sky, and the heavenly bodies will be shaken. Then will appear the sign of the Son of Man in the heaven. And then all the people of the earth will mourn when they see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with great power and with great glory. And he will send his angels with a loud trumpet call and they will gather his elect from the four winds from one end of the heavens to the other. Now learn this lesson from the fig tree. As soon as its twigs get tender and its leaves come out, you know that summer is near. Even so, when you see all these signs, you know that it is near right at the door. Truly, I tell you, this generation will certainly not pass away until the, all these things have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. About the day and the hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven or the Son, but only the Father. As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be in the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage. Up to the day Noah entered the ark. And they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. This is how it will be in the coming of the Son of Man. Two men will be in the field. One will be taken, the other left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken and the other left. Therefore, keep watch because you do not know on what day the Lord will come. But understand this, if the owner of the house had known what time the thief was going to come, he would have kept watch and would have not let his house be broken into. So you also must be ready because the Son of Man will come in an hour when you do not expect him. Who then is the faithful and wise servant? 
whom the master has put in charge of the servants in his household to give them their food at the proper time. It will be good for that servant whose master finds him doing so when he returns. Truly, I tell you, he will put him in charge of all his possessions. But suppose that servant is wicked and says to himself, my master is staying away a long time. And then he begins to beat his fellow servants and to eat and to drink with drunkards. The master of that servant will come on the day when he does not expect him and at an hour that he is not aware and he will cut him into pieces and assign him a place with the hypocrites where there is weeping, weeping and gnashing of teeth. Matthew 24, the end of the age. What is going to happen just before What's next? It has been happening since the first coming of Jesus, and it is going to happen all the way up until the second coming of Jesus in what we call the end times, the now that we are living in. Jesus came the first time, and Jesus is going to come the second time because that's what's next. And until then, until then, we are living in the now. We live in the end times, that period of time just before, just before what's next. Father, we love you so much. And we just pray, God, that you would help us to live lives in such a way that would honor you. Use us for your glory. God, help us to remain faithful to you until the very end of the age. Thank you for your Holy Spirit that lives in us and empowers us and guides us. Thank you for your word that teaches us. Thank you for the church that we can be a part of and grow, and be encouraged and lifted up together with other people. God, we eagerly await the return of your son. We eagerly await for what's next. Until then, help us, God, to be faithful in the now. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you guys. Have an amazing, amazing day. Take care.